by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. So this morning, again, I'm not concerned with who's not here. I'm thankful that you are here, but I pray that you come and you get what God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for another opportunity to come into your house. We thank you that you've helped us to overcome whatever distractions, Lord, and discouragement that has come against us this week, Lord. We're here to be filled. We're here to be restored. We're here to hear from you, Lord God. We're here to worship you. It doesn't matter if the instruments are working or not, if the sound is working or not. We know that you're working, Lord, that you don't sleep, Father God, that you are here on our behalf, Lord, that you want to encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us, convict us, Lord, sow into us, bring that spirit alive inside of us, Lord. You love your church, and we are your church, Lord. Have your way this morning. Touch your people. Change us and transform us, Lord. Meet the needs of everybody inside the building and outside of the building, Lord God. Those who feel far from you, Lord, remind them this morning that you are an ever-present God. You are close to them wherever they find themselves this morning, Lord God. We love you, and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So our God is a God of order and a God of progression. Say order. order. Say progress. progress. See, he can take us from one place to another. He can transport us and show us things that are beyond us in a moment. He can just say, I want to show you something that's years ahead of you. I want to take you to a place that you've never been before. And he does that from time to time. But the journey that we are on with God is often referred to as a walk with God. It's not teleportation. It's not always taking you to this place that you've never been before. It's a walk. It's a journey. At some points, it's called a race, not because of the speed at which you're going, but because there's a prize at the end and because there's rules that you have to follow. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not a race because let's see how fast we can go. It's like, hey, you are actually going towards a goal. There is a prize. There's something you're striving for, and there are rules. You can't just run however you want to run. You can't cut across the track. you got to take the journey with him. In the movie The Matrix, Morpheus says to Neo, there are rules that can be bent and there are rules that can be broken. It's the same thing with the Lord. When, when John is taken from the island of Patmos and he's taken up into heaven and he's shown all these things that are going to come after this, right? And the Lord says, write it down. You got to tell everybody about this. The book of Revelation, right? When uh, 
Enoch is taken without dying. It says he walked with the Lord and then he was no more. He was taken into heaven. Same thing with Elijah, right? He's walking with God. He's ministering to Elisha, his disciple. And then bam, all of a sudden, chariots of fire, he's taken into heaven. That is the exception to the rule. That is not the rule. These things do happen. God is capable. God will do that at times for the benefit of those individuals and those who would come after and read and pray. But that's the exception to the rule. He can bend it if he wants to bend it. He can break it if he wants to break it. But if you're waiting for it to be bent or broken for you, you should probably start walking with God and stop waiting for the rules to be bent or broken. <clears throat> the rule is that God awakens the soul of a man or a woman. Like we saw in week number one of our series, we said we have to break up out of death, right? Our series is called Breakthrough. The first thing we saw is we are being pushed down into hell. We are being pushed down into death. And before we have breakthrough on the horizontal plane, God says you have to break up into the heavenly, come out of death and into life. Begin to see me for who I am and who you are created to be. We have that break up that takes place. In week two, we looked at breakthrough with people. Why? Because people are used to bring us to the Lord and people are used to walk with us when we serve the Lord. Amen. You can't do this alone. Our God is a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is unity, right? And there is, there is a multiple, multiple people involved in this thing. Multiple personalities. For us, don't try to walk with God on your own. Amen. He gave us people for a reason. I got brought to the Lord by a person. God didn't wake me up and grab me by the hand and take me to church, she took me to church. And then there was a man that preached to me when I got to church. And then there were friends that told me, stop acting like that now that you're in church. <laughs> Let me show you how to behave. Let me show you how to read. Let me show you how to pray. We need people. Amen. Week two about breakthrough was about breakthrough with people because not only in the church, but you need people at work. You need people in your family. You need to learn how to have breakthrough with people and stop having brokenness with people. Most of us are so familiar with brokenness and we don't know anything about breakthrough. Amen. This morning, when we talk about people, Mary mentioned these 201 courses. I'm excited about the people in all the courses, but specifically for me, I'm excited about those who are coming into uh, discipleship. It's the fourth course in our, in our series. I believe they're going to begin to see things that they've never seen before and experience a new breakthrough in their lives. I can't wait to be with them on Saturday. <clears throat> but again, I said our God is a God of order and progression. If you don't understand salvation, if you can't explain it, if you don't know what it means, if you don't know what's happened to you, if you say that you are saved, if you don't understand baptism, our next course, which means you die to the old self and you live a new life in Christ and everything is gone, not some of that stuff, everything is gone and everything's devoted to the Lord. If you don't understand prayer, how to engage God, how to talk to him, how to listen to him, how to endure difficult seasons in your life through communicating with your father who is in heaven. Please don't show up to, or excuse me, to discipleship because you ain't ready for it. God is a God of order and progression. Amen. A lot of us want a career without education, without climbing the ladder. You want to show up and be at the top. We want a peaceful, loving relationship without struggle or sacrifice. Let's just be happy because we want to be happy. No, you have to get through being sad and angry and frustrated, and you have to work through all the nonsense that you developed before you knew God and every other relationship you were in, and then there will come some peace and lovingness in your relationship. We get cars, and we expect them to run forever. 
without maintenance. When we did the math, we said, I can afford $227. Well, what about gas? What about tires? What about alignment? What about oil changes? Like, that stuff has to be put into your thinking about this car lasting for a long time. The same is true in our faith. We feel entitled to blessings because we've broken up out of death and into life. And we feel because we're there, we should just receive all these things that God has for us. That is not the truth. You break up, you come from death into life, and then there's some things that you have to do and understand if you want blessings. There's a progression, there's a journey, there's a walk. There's things that have to be done. The Lord says, crawl, then walk, and then I'll release you to run. Break up from death into life, then begin to crawl. You can cry if you want to cry. You can poop your diaper if you want to poop your diaper, right? But then I need you to start crawling. See a direction, see something you want, and start going after it. When you begin to do that, he says, I'll teach you to walk. I'll grab you by the hand, and I'll walk with you. And then he says, after I've taught you how to walk, I'll let you run. Where are you at this morning in your relationship with God? Are we still pooping our diapers? Are we crawling around? Are we walking? Are we running? The truth is, for many of us, it depends on the area of your walk with God we're talking about. In some areas, you're running like Michael Johnson. It's the Olympics. In other areas, you're pooping your diaper, and it looks foolish. 1 Corinthians 3.1 says, Brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able, for you're still carnal. You see it? I don't want you to get too focused or tied up on the lack of spiritual growth in that scripture. He's calling us carnal Christians, right? What that means is you feed your flesh, but you don't feed your spirit. You're carnal, right? What I want you to focus on is the picture that the Lord paints about progress. He says, you're babes in Christ, still drinking milk, and you're not ready for solid food. If that's where they stand now, what he's telling them is that you could be grown up in Christ. You could be off the milk and out of diapers and eating solid food and walking or running with God. There is a progression with every challenge and with every conviction, God just doesn't say that you suck and you're not doing good and you're worthless. What he says is, this is where you are and this is where you could be. Hebrews 5.12 says that by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Your senses have to be exercised. You have to use this stuff. You have to apply this stuff. You have to uh, apply it not only to how you're coming out of the church, but again, out there in the world, you have to put this stuff to use. Otherwise, you're just a babe. We come in here and we flex our spiritual muscles on each other, and then we go outside and we're little babies in diapers. He says by way of use. 
Let me tell you the scripture for all of our ministries here. I love that Mary had the opportunity to give us announcements this morning. She talked about all the stuff that's going on, right? The women are going out on Tuesday. The men just went out last Tuesday. Then we're going to have these courses going on. We're going to have sidewalk sanctuary. There's pictures posted of the people who were here yesterday cleaning. All this stuff is going on. But it's not just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Somebody say amen. This is the scripture that all of our, our ministries are built upon. It's Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And it says this, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. What we're talking about and what I, what I teach those who lead ministries here in this church is, number one, we have to have vision from God. We have to learn how to receive vision from God. We have to make it clear. We write it on tablets. Literally, we write it down so that it's written in stone so that we don't get confused. We can get confused in our life real quick. I thought God wanted me to do this. I thought God wanted me to date him. I thought God wanted me to work there. No, if he told you and he gave you a vision, it's clear. And that way you write it down. So every time you think something else is what you should be doing, you look at what's written and you say, this is what I should be doing, which means no to that. You look at it written down and you say, this is what I should be doing. It means no to that. So that's what I teach those who lead ministry here in this church. And then what does it say? That they may run who read it. You can't run if you're a baby in diapers. you got to grow up. You can't lead if you don't understand some of the basic principles and oracles of God that we learn in the beginning. Learn how to receive a vision from God, from those who have already received visions from God. So today is week three of this Breakthrough series, and I want to look at Breakthrough with God and in your faith. I hope it matters to you this morning. Breakthrough with God and in your faith, not my faith, not the faith of somebody else, your own faith. I want you to have breakthrough. We saw breakup. We saw breakthrough with people. And I want you to gain ground with God and in your faith in the heavenly realm. Remember we talked about it, how you do this breakup thing, you come into the heavenly realm, you see that the things that are attacking you and destroying your life and destroying your family are really um, principalities and powers in the heavenly realm that are pulling the strings of these other people and situations in your life. And you begin to fight in the heavenly realm where God says, put on the whole armor and I will battle and you will be taught how to do battle in this realm. It's the same thing. The people that you're in relationship with that you want to have breakthrough, it comes through prayer and it comes through the heavenly things that are going on. And God ministers to you through those relationships. This morning, when you talk about having breakthrough with God, now we're going to get moving horizontal, right? We're going to get moving into the things that God wants to uh, grow you in and show you and take you. But it's going to take place in the heavenly realm, but you'll see the fruit of it in the earthly realm. So what I want you to picture is all these barriers or walls like we talked about. And if you're in the heavenly realm and you break through one, you can see your little avatar down there in the earthly realm breaking through too. And then you break through the next one and you break through the next one. I want to gain, gain ground with God. I love you guys and I want you to gain ground with God as well. But I'm focused on me gaining ground with God. And don't feel bad. Be selfish. What good is it if you do ministry and break through for all these kids, Vanessa talked talk to us about talking to the kids about salvation. Very simple question she asked them. How many of you are saved? How many of you know what it means to be saved? Let me explain to you what it means to be saved. And then one of the kids, thank God, one of them was my daughter. She says, well, Miss Vanessa, why don't we all just do it right now so there's no confusion? And they all begin to pray and give their lives to Jesus. Now, we can discount that if we want to. 
But I believe that it's real. I believe that it's true. The Bible says if you train them up when they're a child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they won't depart. Many of us weren't trained up when we were children. That's why it's such a struggle for us to follow God now. But what good is it for Vanessa to lead hundreds of kids to the Lord? Watch them get baptized. Watch them learn how my son reads the Bible every morning, even before going to school, and types up a, a reflection on the chapter that he read. I can't get adults to do that. But what good is it if they go to heaven and she doesn't? You better focus on your own breakthrough. We can enjoy the milk that's been given to us when we were babes in the faith. If you're here this morning and you're supposed to be crawling, well then crawl. Don't try to run before you should be running, but if you shouldn't be drinking milk, you look foolish drinking milk. Crawl. If you're supposed to walk, don't speed up because you feel like I'm telling you to speed up or somebody else is going a little bit faster than you. You gotta have your own relationship with God so that you understand, Lord, am I crawling in this area? Then let's just crawl. Am I walking in this area? Let's walk. When I stopped crawling, literally, physically as a baby, I haven't gone back to that. There's no going back. When I started walking, I've been walking ever since. <clears throat> One thing I want to say before I give you these, these areas that I think will help you with breakthrough is that I'm talking to Christians this morning. I think sometimes we forget that in church. Just so it's clear, we're going we're to talk about a lot of stuff this morning. <laughs> Just so it's clear, church is for Christians. We bring non-believers into the church so that they can be exposed to the life of God, the power of God, and the spirit of God, but it's not for them. This is where the saints gather. This is where the people of God gather to give praise to our Lord and to our Savior. Yeah. He does something miraculous when others come into that realm, yeah. but I don't feel bad for talking to Christians when I'm in church. If I want to talk to non-Christians, we go out into the world to five guys to talk about the Lord so that we can tell other people who are there. If you want to know who he is, we know. I'm talking to Christians this morning. If you want to become one, we'll give you an opportunity later on. For the Christians, I want to challenge you, but I want you to remember that you're saved by grace and you're saved by faith. This isn't about earning anything from Jesus. I want to make that clear. You're going to be challenged this morning to, to, to walk or to run and all that kind of stuff, but don't confuse that with, hey, earn something from God. Amen. Earn something from Jesus. If you do these things, then you'll deserve blessings from God. That's not what we're talking about this morning. You're saved by grace. You're covered by Christ. When you come before God on your best day, when you did everything right, everything that you were supposed to do as a Christian, you did. When you come before God, what he sees is his son. And he's even better than you. You're perfect when you come before him. And on your worst day, when you lied, when you stole, when you cheated, when you fell short, when you didn't read and you didn't pray, when you didn't go to church for no good reason, you're still in Christ and perfect before God. Yes. You can't earn any of the things that we're talking about. What you can do is forfeit them and not experience them and not walk in them, but you can't earn them. They're already yours. Amen. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? Yes. I don't want you to feel convicted as if uh, you need to earn something from God. I want you to be aware. I want your heart to be open, your mind to be open. So I want to paint a picture of the breakthrough that we're talking about today. Breakthrough with God, breakthrough in your faith, gaining ground in this walk, this Christian walk. This morning you were asleep, and then you had a breakthrough into consciousness. Right? Anybody? Then you were at home, and after you got yourself ready, hopefully you took a shower and everything, you had another breakthrough where you opened the door, 
Or you open your garage and you go from being in the house and you break through into nature, into the outside world. Then you got into your car and you were on the road and you had breakthrough after breakthrough. You were on one road then you broke through into another road. Then you made a left turn or right turn and you broke through onto another road. That happened over and over and over again. Then eventually you were in your car and you were at this place. You were either on Tamarack or you were on Lambert and you had breakthrough into this parking lot right outside right here. You weren't there before. Then all of a sudden there was this breakthrough and you're in the parking lot. You got out of your car and then you broke through into the foyer right outside over here. You were in your car, you got into the parking lot, you got out of the car, and then bam, next thing you know, you had this breakthrough, you were in the, in the foyer. And then depending on when it happened, right, all of a sudden you hear this music playing, you hear these things going on, and then there's another breakthrough. Bam, you break through out of the foyer and you come into the sanctuary, to the very house of God. At every breakthrough, you enter into a new realm, you enter into some special things that are only available in that place, but you also leave behind some things, right? That house, you left it behind. You got into that car, when you had that breakthrough in the parking lot, you got out of that car, you left that car behind. Then you broke through into the sanctuary, or excuse me, into the foyer, and you left the parking lot, you left the car behind. And then when you broke through into the sanctuary, you leave behind the foyer. The great thing about being a Christian, a man or woman of God, is that while physically you may have left all those things behind, we are supposed to bring with us spiritually the areas that we've broke through from, the things that we've learned along the way, the things that are valuable to us in the next realm that we go to with God. I want to look at it. in a little different light. So you're asleep again. You're unconscious, and you have this breakthrough into consciousness, right? And then a spiritual man or woman of God who's not on milk but, but on solid food, they might wake up and say, Lord, I was unconscious. I had no control. I would have died if you didn't keep me breathing. I'm only alive Because you woke me up and you've breathed life into me again this morning. I want to give you praise and glory for that. Let it be a reminder to me that even when I feel like I'm awake and alive and in control, I'm not in control. I have no life without you. Then you leave your home, open the door, you break through into nature. But the spiritual man or woman of God says, Lord, as I open the door, as I open the garage, look at your sun, look at your clouds, look at your trees, look this air that I get to breathe in fresh and anew. You're a creator, God, and you've given all this to me. It decla- the heavens declare your glory is what the scripture says. Yes, amen. That ain't for milk babies, though. Then you get into this car And you say, Lord, look at what you've given man to be able to create. I was limited by the body you gave me. I could only go so far, so fast without breaking down or getting weary or getting tired. But you've placed something in me to be a creator like you're a creator. And somebody created this car. And then they made it better. And then they made it gas-powered. I can get all the way from where I live to church in minutes, Lord. 
Thank you for the creativity that you placed inside your people. Then you get out of that car and you, you break through. Before you even get out of the car, you, you break through into the parking lot and then you look around and you say, Lord, look at all the doors in this parking lot. Look at all the places I could have driven this car. Look at all the doors that I could enter into. But you've placed something inside of me that says, I want to break through, but in a particular place, I want to go into the way. I could be somewhere else. But I have vision, I have direction, I have a, a specific place that you want me to go. And I thank you for that, God. Thank you for this place. And then you break through into the foyer. And instead of just breaking through into the foyer, maybe you might stop there and say, well, what have I broken into? Oh, man, there's some water over here. There's some coffee and some tea in this place for me. Wow, there's some seats to actually sit down and, and rest myself. Lord. There's other people in the foyer. <laughs> and the, the, the truth is, they have all had the same exact breakthroughs that I have or they wouldn't be here. They woke up. They left their house. They saw your glory. They purposely came to this place. They've broken through into this foyer and here we are together. We can talk. Oh Lord, what is that on the wall? Is that a TV? In the foyer? Well, what's on the TV? Oh, it's telling me about things that are to come. <laughs> right here in the foyer that I've broken into, it's telling me what's going to happen on Tuesday, then on Wednesday, then on Friday, then on Sunday. But I ain't never prepared for nothing. <laughs> and then we break into the sanctuary. And some people like babes, they just walk in like they walked in before, like they walk in every week and walk back out, expecting God to do miracles in their life. But they don't understand that they've broken into such a special place. In this very room, some people have learned almost everything they know about God in this room. Yes. Some people have only praised and worshiped God in this room. Some people have met God in a way that they have not been able to meet him anywhere else like they've met him in this room. Some people came in saying, I've broken through and I expect you to meet me here, God. I expect you to change me here, God. Yes. I didn't break through for no reason. I didn't go through all that stuff for no reason. But some of us are babes on milk and we have no idea what's going on. See, at every stage of breakthrough, there's things that you can do now that you couldn't do before. Things you can do in here that you can't do in the foyer, that you can't do outside in the parking lot. Every stage of breakthrough with God, you should be thinking about, well, what have I broken through and what can I do now that I couldn't do before? But there's also things that you can no longer do once you have breakthrough. Many of us want to keep doing what we were doing on that side of the wall or the barrier in our life. Once we've broken through to a new place, there's things that you cannot do anymore. And if you spend all your time trying to bring those things over or crying about what you've lost, you are missing out on what's been uh, provided for you on this side. 
You want breakthrough with God? You want change and transformation in your life? Get ready to lose some things and then prepare for what's ahead of you. Look at the TV, which is the signs that God is giving you about where you are going and how to get there so that you'll be prepared for that place. That same couple that we sat with yesterday, multiple couples, multiple pastors and, and leaders, <clears throat> this woman, the wife, they've been married for 50 years, and I, t I heard her testify some things. She said <clears throat> she made a decision to never let her emotions get in the way of what God has called her husband to. Think about that for a second. Married for 50 years, like the rest of us, they didn't start as super pastors or super leaders. They're leaders of a large movement uh, overseas, actually here as well. But she said, God told me she was, she was in college, she was praying about her calling, and what am I going to be, and where am I going to go, and I want to be a missionary, and I want to do all these things. God, tell me my calling. Tell, God, tell me my calling. What's it going to be? And she said that this guy just kept coming around and wouldn't leave her alone. And she kind of liked him, but she knew, oh, he's going to be a pastor. He's going to do this thing, but I want to go across the world. I want to be a missionary. I want to I see the world change. I don't want to be a local church pastor's wife. And then God told her one day, my call on your life is to be his wife. Where he goes, you'll go. And she said, when she heard that call, she said, well, then I will never let my emotions get in the way of what you have called my husband to. You know that now they've traveled the whole world? They've been missionaries on multiple continents? See, but she had a breakthrough where she said, because I've heard from God, I can no longer allow myself to be bound by my emotions that tell me there's something better for me. There's something different for me. Then she started talking about her kids. And she said that in the church, because her husband had to travel quite often, that people would come up to her and say, oh, we're so sorry, you're all alone again, and how are the kids doing? And she said she had to make up in her mind that she is not going to have a pity party, because even though these people, they mean well, what they're producing in her is faithlessness in God. Right. I'm going to have a pity party because my husband's gone and yours isn't. Because your husband is there with you and your family and your kids all the time, but mine isn't. She said, I made up in my mind we are not going to have a pity party. And if God called me to this man and he called us to have a family and he called my husband in order to do his will to travel from time to time, then he is also capable of making sure that this family has everything they need. Amen. See, but that's breakthrough. Once she gets there... She can't go back and say, well, I want to have a pity party now. Okay, well, now I want to be faithful. And now I want to have a pity party because my husband's not here. And now I want to be faithful. We got to stop acting like that. Either God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do or he's not. If he is, break through and start living over here. And I'm listening to her and I'm thinking, that's how I feel. But maybe people need to hear it from somebody other than me because when I say that to people, they act as if I'm crazy. I'm glad I'm here in this place with these people because we can all be crazy together. Amen. <laughs> See, once you have breakthrough, though, be warned. You can't go back. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you want to go back, you have to deny what you already know to be true. You've already heard it. You already know it's true. You already know that it's God. So if you want to go back, you have to say, I'm going to ignore what I know to be true and what I've already heard from God, and I'm going to come play around in here with my diaper on while I cry and while I crawl around and while I drink milk. And then you get angry with the people who are ministering to you in your life and saying, you know better than that. But the truth is, you know better than that. 
Hebrews 5.13 says, Everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. They are a babe. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Break through, enjoy some solid food. And then you know what you begin to do when you start eating solid food? You say, man, where'd that milk come from anyway? You ever notice how a baby never asks where's the milk come from? They just be drinking it up, right? When you get on solid food, you're like, man, that milk was good. Where'd it come from? And then you know what happens as you eat the solid food? You're like, dang, who made this solid food? Maybe I should actually say thank you to somebody who's feeding me. It doesn't just appear. It came from somewhere. Who's providing for me? How can I honor the Lord for this relationship that he's given me? See, you can come in and out of the sanctuary with no thanksgiving. No desire to praise. If you're a babe, if you're on that solid food, as soon as you walk through that door, you begin to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the food you're giving me. Thank you for the solid food. I know know it didn't just appear. It was prepared. When the guitar goes out or the mics go out, you don't say, man, couldn't this be prepared nicer for me? You say, let me sing louder so that I can encourage those that for weeks and months and years have been encouraging me. In that meeting yesterday, it was crazy. He was talking, and when he started talking about the church, he lit up, and he started talking about how God loves the church, and he loves his people, and literally, the birds started chirping and singing, like loud to the point where I saw several heads like start looking around like this because it was like obnoxious, (laughs) and I swear to you, I'm sitting there, and I thought to myself, That's it, Lord. Like when he's talking about the church, he's talking about what you love. And when the scriptures say that the rocks will cry out, we're hearing the birds cry out because we're doing what you want to do. We're building up the church. We're giving glory to you for your church. And it's like, man, this is what matters. But babes come in like, where's my milk? And the very people who are trying to provide solid food for them are discouraged because nobody's talking about the church. They're just talking about where's my milk? Who's in my seat? Why do I have to move? Why do I have to give? (laughs) Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you straight as if it hasn't been straight yet. (laughs) Number one, hold on. Say hold on. So I gave you Habakkuk 2, 2. I'm going to give you the full scripture, just a little bit more, 1 through 3. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says, I will stand my watch. And set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he'll say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. See, breakthroughs with the Lord come to those who wait for them. 
They don't just come because you want it to happen. You have to actually wait on it. I love how Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 starts. He says, I'm going to put myself at my post. I'm going to be on the rampart. I'm going to be looking for the Lord. And then he says this, and I'm going to wait to see what I do when he corrects me. Every good Christian should know this. You're going to be corrected because you're going to be wrong. That's all there is to it on a daily basis. Definitely on a weekly basis, I'm consistently corrected because I'm consistently wrong. And if you think you're not going to be corrected, you're missing it. It doesn't matter if it comes from me as your pastor, a brother or sister who's discipling and leading you, a friend or a family member. God will actually use those who aren't saved to correct you at work and in your family. Correction is coming. What this man says is, I wait to hear from the Lord, and then I think to myself, what will I do when I'm corrected? Will I run? Will I cower? Will I boast with pride? Will I fight? What will I do when I'm corrected? What will you do when you're corrected? I hope you hold on. God corrects. He directs. We have to be ready for that. God will give you a vision and give you direction. you got to write it down on the, on the stone tablets of your life or of your heart. Write it down so that you don't forget. And then he says this, hold on and wait. Why? Because it's for an appointed time. He doesn't give you the vision so that you can walk directly into it. He gives you the vision so that you can stop crawling and start walking so that eventually you can get there to the appointed place at the appointed time for your breakthrough. It'll come, but you got to be holding on when it does. This week I had a brother call me. I think it was on Monday and say, I'm struggling and I've been struggling for a while. It's like, I can't feel God. I can't, I can't. I don't feel like I used to feel, and I'm not getting what I used to get, and I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling, he would tell me, right? And then on yesterday, I sent him a message saying, how are you doing? How did the rest of the week turn out? And he said, on Wednesday night at Bible study, I got breakthrough. He says, I heard what you were saying. I could feel God. It was all making sense. I was understanding, and I felt what I used to feel before, and I had breakthrough. I was so excited for him. We went back and forth a few times. And I, in thinking about the message today, I kept thinking about it as the night went on. Like, you know what, though? He made it to every church service when he was struggling, Sundays and Wednesdays. You know where he was on Tuesday when the men were at Five Guys? He was at Five Guys with the men. He went to work every day, take care of his family. He loved his wife every day of his struggle and his children every day of his struggle. Amen. You know what that's called? It's called holding on. Amen. And then you know when the, broke, the breakthrough came? At the appointed time, which was Wednesday night. Some of us have missed breakthroughs because we weren't where we were supposed to be when the breakthrough was supposed to come. You got to hold on. If you're a man or woman of God, again, I'm talking to Christians, hold on. Not because I say so, but because God says so. I don't need you to hold on. It ain't about me and it ain't about uh, uh, what I want. It's about what God has for you. You not holding on is all about you. I tell you to hold on, not so you can please me, so we can see you in the chair, so you can give your tithe and offering, because God has breakthrough for you. Hold on. Psalm 25, 5, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Psalm 25, 21, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. 
Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37, 9. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37, 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you'll see it. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word do I hope. I have one more, but I want to tell you that all those I just read to you in the book of Psalms, the Psalms is the worship book. When we come in to sing, we sing worship unto God. We learn how to wait on the Lord. We learn how to praise him in the midst of our difficulties and our struggles. Good Lord, we got to sing. Never sang in my life unless I was messing around with somebody. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, music comes from God. And if you love God, it will come out of you. It, it, there's, you can't stop it. You cannot stop it. You can show up after worship if you want to. But your heart has a song it wants to sing. God created music. But look at how we use music in the world. Right? You can use it for whatever you want to, just like you can use that car to go wherever you want to go. But it still came from the creativity that God placed in man. Last one about waiting on the Lord is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Think about that. If you have to renew your strength, that means that it's been depleted. God knows you're going to be weary and tired. Hold on. It's not a surprise. Why is it such a surprise to me and you when we get tired? He says, if you wait on the Lord, though, you'll renew your strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. Listen, it says, you'll run and not be weary, which means I'm not sitting down drinking milk. I'm not even crawling or walking. I'm now running, which means I've grown. I've gone through the progression with God. I wait on the Lord. You won't faint. Stop giving up. Hold on. Stop giving up and going back and walking away from the Lord. Hold on. Stop having seasons where you just say, oh, no, nah, I'm going to stay away from church. If you've done that in the past, leave that behind and break through. Break through that barrier and say, from now on, I am no longer a person that when times get rough and hard and I struggle and I'm angry and I'm sad, that I go back to the other side of the barrier. I've broken through and this is who I am and where I am now. Amen. I cannot go back. I will not ignore what I know to be true now that he always shows up if I hold on. Amen. Not once has anybody been able to say, I held on and he didn't show up. Amen. Amen. Find a Christian who can tell you, I held on and I held on and I prayed and I worshiped and I wouldn't quit and I wouldn't go back and I kept showing up and I kept reading and I kept praying and God failed me. You won't find one. All you'll find is people who say, I just couldn't hold on anymore or I just wouldn't hold on anymore. Don't stay in the foyer of your faith. <laughs> a lot of Christians are out there in the foyer and they just never break through into the sanctuary. You made it all the way here, but now that you're here, you're on the outskirts and God's doing all the work in here. asking for speakers in the foyer. 
Job chapter 2, verse 1. We're talking about holding on, right? Again, there was a day, listen to this, please. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. He's here. If you wonder why you're struggling, why it's so hard, why family is, is drama, why your relationships are drama, why it's hard to go to work, he's here walking around. If you believe what the word says. So the Lord says to him in verse 3, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, Jennifer, Jen, Devin, Mary, Steve, Vanessa, Brenda, Aaron, Mel, <laughs> Leonard? Have you considered my servant? This is in the heavenly realm that we've broken through up into, right? And then there's like this another level where the Father is, and it says that, He's having this conversation about us. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. He's blameless, an upright man. He fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you entice me against him. The Bible says that Satan is our accuser. He stands before God and he accuses us all day. And God says to Satan right now, you entice me against Job, but I love Job and Job is right with me. He says, you entice me against him to destroy him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. It's kind of gangster. <laughs> Let's be real. Don't try, to, don't try to flex on Satan unless you got Jesus. <laughs> Please believe me. He's for real. With Jesus, he ain't nothing. But without him, he tells God, skin for skin. He says, yes, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. He says to God, stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He'll surely curse you to your face. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, if you take away some of these blessings that he has received in his life, he'll go right back across that breakthrough and curse you and act like you never did anything for him. The Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand, but spare his life. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He took for himself a potsherd, which he would scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You want to talk about breakthrough. God let him be attacked. He's attacked and taken everything from him but his life. He's got to scrape boils off of himself. It says that his wife, nothing like the woman I just told you about that I was sitting with yesterday. His wife says to him, you still want to act right? You still want to tithe? You still want to go to church? You still want to go to events? Just curse God and die. He obviously doesn't care about you. And, God, and Job says to her, woman, I've had breakthrough. I'm over here in this place with God, and I cannot go back over there. Those things are behind me. This is where I live now. I can accept the good things from God, and I can accept the bad things from God because I know who he is, and he knows who I am. Job knew the Lord, and the Lord knew Job. 
I'm pretty sure the Lord knows each and every one of us. The question is, do you know the Lord? Do you know the one we serve? Do you know the one we call king? Do you know the one that we lift up our voices and worship? Satan says, all men will give up everything, including their God, to save their own lives. If it means less pain, if it means less boils, if it means more dollars in my pocket, if it means I can sleep with whoever I want to sleep with, it means I can, I can go out and get loaded if I want to and then still come in fake church, I'll do that. He says they'll give up anything. When it comes to their own lives, they will not sacrifice for you. That's the accusation that he makes against us. The sad thing is so many of us live our lives in a way that makes his statements true. Job said, not me though, I will hold on. <laughs> Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to death. We always talk about the first half of that scripture. I love it. You overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the word of your testimony that you've truly received him for yourself. But the last part is great. It says that they didn't love their lives to death. What that means is you love your life so much that you will curse God in order to get relief and not die. You love your life so much that you won't sacrifice a Sunday or Wednesday. You love your life so much that you won't give up a few dollars. You love your life so much that you won't sacrifice for the lives of others and for their salvation. I want to be somebody who does not love my life to death. I hope that makes sense to you because I know it sounds contrary to what we've been taught and how we've been raised and the, and the world that we live in. Hope you begin to look at people and say, man, that person loves their life to death. It's going to kill them how much they love themselves. 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven says, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Psalm 89, 26 says, he shall cry to me. You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. When it comes to holding on, you better have a rock that is stable and strong. And you hold on to it with everything that you got. The storms of life are going to come. Four weeks ago when this woman went into a coma, she was at the salon getting her eyebrows done and her husband was at work. You better have a rock to hold on to. I'm telling you, the storms are coming. A car accident. A disease. You go in for a checkup and you turn out you have stage four cancer. Weeks later, you are gone. You better have a rock to hold on to and you better know that rock. Not just know of that rock. See, if you know of Jesus, when the storm comes, you're like, let me grab the rock. But I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what he feels like. I don't know where the grip holds are. I don't know anything about the rock. I just know that there is a rock. You better know the rock. Job knew the rock. And then he could hold on. <clears throat> number one hold on number two press in show up try press in show up try holding on and waiting on the lord is not a passive holding on or waiting on the lord you are not paralyzed while you're holding on somebody say amen, amen. you hold on in faith you wait on the lord with confidence right when you're waiting on the lord you should be expecting him to show up and you should be doing what he expects you to be doing there are a lot of people who say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, what are you doing while you're waiting? Nothing. I'm just standing right here waiting. Do something. Show up somewhere. Try something. 
Do what you know that you should be doing already. Do you have a Bible? Yeah, well, then read it. Is there a song playing? Yes, well, then sing it. Do something. Is there a men's meeting? Well, then go. That's how you wait on the Lord. It's an active waiting. It's like a waiter that comes up to you in a restaurant and says, do you want more water? Are you ready to order yet? Do you want a refill? I'm sorry, can I remove that plate for you? That's a waiter. That's how we're supposed to wait on God. Lord, do you want more water from me? Lord, is there something I need to remove off of the table that I've set before you? That's how we wait on the Lord, actively. You press in with God. You keep showing up and you keep trying new things. The man I mentioned earlier that had that breakthrough on Wednesday night, I don't think he would have had breakthrough if he wasn't doing something. He was showing up. He was going to extra services. He was still reading and praying. He was still ministering to other people in the church. And then he got his breakthrough. If you ain't doing anything, don't expect the walls to come crashing down. It's not that God can't do it, right? He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do. And to be honest with you, sometimes walls have come crashing down when I wasn't doing very much. But that is the exception to the rule, not the rule. There's a lot of people standing in front of the walls of their life saying, God, do it again. Break it down. Break it down, Lord. Do it like you did last time. And he's like, do something. (laughs) Sing me one song. Just tell me one scripture you remember. It don't have to be the whole scripture. Just happen to just say just something. You can't just show up. You have to show up and actively wait on the Lord. I'm telling you, people have had that same story we talked about this morning from the time they woke up into consciousness and came all the way into the church and went all the way back home and nothing happened. You know why? Because they physically came, but spiritually they didn't press in. They didn't expect anything to happen. They weren't trying to have breakthrough with God. They're trying to beat the system. Stop trying to beat the system. (laughs) I was ashamed of my voice when I first got saved. I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking literally my voice. I grew up as a black man that grew up in a Mexican city, Whittier. Went to a white school, La Mirada. Then I went to a white college, but I hung out with all black athletes. Then I got saved, and I was just confused. I was like, who am I? I literally didn't even want to hear my voice. Because when you talk like this around black folks, they're like, you ain't black enough. But then when white people look at you, they're like, you definitely are not white enough. So you get saved, and you have this identity crisis, and you're like, well, who am I then? And I wouldn't even open my mouth. I would want to say stuff, and I'd be like, I'm not even going to open my mouth. And I didn't start opening my mouth until I had something worth saying. (laughs) I didn't have anything to say that was worth or any value. So I was afraid to speak. But once I started reading this thing and I knew that, oh my God, I got truth. I've got power. I've got hope. I've got life. I had to open my mouth. And not only did I have to open my mouth, when people were singing around me to that God that I found in this book, I was like, oh, Lord, you ain't going to sing without me. I don't care what I sound like. I know that my voice comes from you. You better press in. You better try something. Don't just show up. It's a waste of your time. I'm not going to read this whole scripture to you, but the scripture I want to share with you about pressing in, trying something. In Matthew, it talks about Uh, the the Lord, the master coming in and giving these people these talents. Five talents, two talents, one talent. It's it's an amount of money. 
and he says he goes away for a while, then he comes back to, to settle accounts. The one that had five had multiplied it into ten. The one that had two had multiplied that into more. But the one that had one, he said, look, I knew you're crazy. I know how you act. I didn't want to lose it. So all I did is I, I hit it in the ground, and here it is. Let me pull it back up from the ground. And the master says, you lazy servant. He says, if you knew I was like that, you could have at least put it in the bank so I would have got a, 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 a talent and a half. <laughs> On interest, at least. What he was trying to say is, listen, if you think that you can stay in the foyer of your salvation and just be saved, and every time the Lord comes looking at you, you say, look, I'm still saved. He's going to say, you've wasted your salvation. Multiply it. Grow it. Increase it. Get other people saved. When you're waiting for me to come back, when you're waiting on the Lord, you better do something with what I've already given you, is what he says. Invest it. Take what you already know and apply it into your life. That's how you get breakthrough. What do you know about salvation? Maybe when everyone else is singing words, you just sing what you know about who he is and what he's done, and maybe you'll get breakthrough. Maybe there'll be growth. Maybe if you take everything you've heard so far about salvation and who Jesus is and you apply that to what you're hearing today this morning, you'll have breakthrough and growth. Maybe you only have a little bit financially like Miss Barry talked about during offering today. But maybe if you take 10% of that little bit and you invest it into God and his kingdom, maybe you'll get an a return on investment in your physical life and in your spiritual life. Why? Because that's what the word says. Not because I say so. That's what the word says. Everybody's story is different, and I, I know that God knows what everybody needs financially, but when I got saved, I was a college dropout. I was an alcoholic. I was getting high every day. I was high the day that I got saved. I dropped out of school, moved back in with my mama in South Central L.A. at a 1989 Toyota pickup truck. Our lives are drastically, drastically different now than they were then. The day I got saved, I was doing real estate, still broke, hadn't closed any deals. Literally, the day I got saved was on, uh, on a Friday, I gave my life to the Lord. On Sunday, closed my first deal, drove after church to give these people the keys. After I, I gave them the keys, on Monday, I got a check for $10,000. I was partnered with my brother in real estate. I gave him $5,000. I had $5,000 left. I said, Lord, I know what a tithe is. I don't understand it truly spiritually, but I know it's right. And I'm not going to tithe $500 off the $5,000 I got. I'm going to tithe $1,000 off the $10,000 that we got, even though I only got $500. I only got $5,000. And from that day, I've been a tither. Our lives are drastically different. I'm telling you, never once have I cheated God. That's right. And it wasn't because I had a revelation. It's just because I knew what the truth was. Amen. We're talking days into salvation. You want breakthrough? You better try God. Apply what you already know. If you know and you don't apply it, you are disobedient, and then you shouldn't expect breakthrough. I've told you guys before, I may be up here preaching five years from now, and I'm telling you guys the story of how it all fell apart financially <laughs> and how Mary and I lost the house and the cars and couldn't afford to send our kids to college. That may be what takes place, but you know what else will be what takes place? I'll be telling you a story from a position like Job about how that has nothing to do with my servitude unto my Father in heaven. I'll be scraping the boils off of our arms financially and in whatever other way, but I'll be doing it like Job. Amen. 
I'll still be here every Sunday. I'll still be here every Wednesday. And if I only got $100, well, then I'll still give at least 10 of them. Why? Because I know who the Lord is. I'm going to hold on. And I'm going to keep doing what I know I should be doing regardless. If you're struggling as a man or a woman this morning, show up to men's events and show up to women's events. If you're struggling with giving, go to financial peace. If you're struggling with understanding the word of God, show up on Wednesday night to a Bible study. If your marriage is hurting and struggling, we have couples nights out, we have marriage events in this church, show up. I believe that breakthroughs are waiting, but you got to press in, you got to show up, and you got to try stuff. They come to those who are walking while they hold on and while they wait on the Lord. We're going to close. Last one. Number one, hold on. Number two, press in. Show up. Try something. Number three, read, hear, and digest the word of God. Read, hear, and digest the word of God. I was late to men's fellowship and Bible study on Tuesday, even though I was in the city about five hours early. I went to a coffee shop around the corner, sat down, and you guys know that I do this all the time. It's another story of me having my headphones on, but they're off, and I'm listening to people talk. <laughs> I'm in the coffee shop. These two young people, like, uh, in, their, in their 30s, early 30s, are sitting there next to me. And at first, I had the music on, but I heard a couple things. I was like, man, let me see what they're talking about. So I turned my music off, but I still have the headphones on. I'm right next to them, and they're talking about palm readers and tarot cards and all this kind of stuff, right? And then I'm like, I know I didn't just hear them talk about worship. And then they're talking about worship and church. So I turned the music all the way off and kind of scooted over a little bit. And I listened for about 10 minutes, and I could not take it anymore. I took my headphones off, and I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry for interrupting, but do you mind if I talk to you guys, ask you a couple questions? They said, yeah, no problem. We're in the coffee shop. Go ahead. Let's talk. I said, are you on a worship team? Yeah, yeah. And I was blown away with the things that they were talking about. They were talking about how one guy said, I'm on the worship team, but nobody knows me. If, and I'm watching them start to sit people down on the worship team for the way they're living. And he said, if they knew me and what I was doing, he said, I'm thinking about quitting before they have to sit me down. But I think it's hypocritical. We should be able to do whatever we want to do because we have the grace of God. And then she's like, well, what kind of churches are these? My church is the same kind of way. And I just taught, I, I told him, I said, do you guys have any idea who the God you serve is? Do you have any idea? Like, of course, the grace of God and the restoration and letting you grow. But you do that from in your chair. You don't do that up here. You don't do that on these drums. You don't do that on these microphones. Whatever you give out to people, right, you can be singing a song, but they're getting what's in you. It's coming into their lives. I said, I'm a pastor. And every day, consistently, I think to myself, oh, I got to get right because I can't stand before these people like this. I can't preach like this. I said, who do you guys think you are that you can just do whatever you want to do and think that it's okay in the church like that? Like we had a very aggressive conversation (laughs) for somebody that I don't know, but I couldn't take it anymore. And then I started to think about our church. And how I want to be a graceful pastor. I want to be loving to you guys. But man, the bar's got to be set high. We are talking about the almighty and holy God. Let 
And they said, well, people have been hurt in the church. And the person I go to for, for palm reading, you know, they were in the church. They were so hurt and so abandoned and abused by the church and this, that, and the other. I said, listen, the Bible I read, Jesus came to the church and he said, you guys suck. <laughs> I said, but he came to the church and he told us what it should be. I said, if you, I told them the same thing I'm telling you guys. I said, if you guys don't build your life on the word of God, then you're going to act the fool however long you want to act the fool. You're going to make decisions however you're going to make decisions. But I haven't heard you guys say anything biblical. And I asked the guy, I said, how often do you read your Bible? He said, honestly, I don't. And then I thought to myself, how often do we read the Bible? And we wonder why we don't have breakthrough. He said, my generation, young 30s, he said, they're leaving the church. At least I'm there. I said, yeah, but you got to be like Paul and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Who cares if your friends are gone if they can't follow you? If you really loved them and cared about them, you would learn the word of God so that when you have a chance to talk to them, you give them something that matters. What the hell are you going to tell them about palm reading and tarot cards and come to my church and watch me worship? Why would they serve that God if they know? I was hot. And then the men in our church started calling me, where are you? <laughs> So on Wednesday night in our church, we were reminded that the devil knows the truth, but he won't share it. Yeah. On Wednesday night at the, at the coffee shop, I was reminded that the world doesn't even know the truth, so they can't share it. <laughs> you know what that leaves? It leaves us, the church and the men and women of God. If you don't have that, you're on sinking sand. And think about this for a second. I told you, hold on, push through, try something, show up. If you do not have the word of God, when you show up and when you try to push through and when you try to hold on, you are holding on to nothing and you will sink. And when you push against the enemy, you will also be pushed down because you have no strength. It's all about the word of God. Amen. If you don't have it, if you don't read it, if you don't pray through it, if you don't actually digest it, Amen. you won't make it, church. Amen. Sinking sand. Last scripture. Man, I don't even want to read all this to you. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to paraphrase and... and and uh, give you guys an opportunity to read it yourself. John chapter 11, verse 1 through 44. It's the story of Jesus. He, he, uh, he hears that Lazarus is going to pass away or, or in the process of passing away. And he takes a few days and eventually he goes there to, uh, to where Lazarus and Mary and Martha, his sister, are. Uh, let me just read this, this small portion of it. It says in verse 19, Many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me, he'll never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister. Story goes on. Here's what I want to point out. She heard the word of God. She said that she believed it. Think about the scriptures. How many times Jesus was in their house? They broke bread together. He would teach them. They fed him. They, they sat at his feet. Just like you come in and out of church, all that was happening. But then when it really hit the fan, what came to light was 
They never really digested and received what he was telling them. There are a lot of Christians who come in, they don't ever digest it. You don't ever really receive what God is saying. Their brother is dead, and they're saying to God, man, you could have done something. And he's saying, I can still do something. I am the resurrection. They said, yeah, one day he's going to rise. Like, we all, we all die, and then we're going to rise in the resurrection and go into heaven for eternity. He says, no, like, heaven is here. I'm here. You heard it, but you didn't understand it. You received it, but you didn't digest it. It's not actually applied into your life. But then this is what happens. Jesus makes them roll the stone away. <laughs> he's like, oh, we're going to get active in your faith. They roll the stone away. He calls them out of death into life, and there is breakthrough. For Mary and Martha, think about this for one second. From that point on, what they saw was, what we heard of you, Jesus, what you taught us when we came in and out of the church, which was their home, what you taught us, now we actually see it applied in real life. You have power. You have power over death. You raised our brother from death into life, and now we can never go back to where we were before. We can never doubt you. We can never think that it's too late for breakthrough again. He was dead for four days and stinking in a tomb. It's still not too late for breakthrough. Amen. Have any of you begun to read and hear and digest the word of God in a way that gives you that kind of breakthrough yet? I mean, the kind of breakthrough where you're like, it's never too late. There's nothing he can't do. These aren't just words on a page. This is life being offered to me. It's never too late. It's never too late. This morning we sang a song. Matter of fact, I'm asked to worship too. Let's sing it again as we close. <clears throat> the song is called Transfiguration. One of my favorite lines in the song says, I've seen the glory that cannot be unseen. It could only have worked out better if I told them to play it before church started. What does that mean? I've seen the glory that cannot be unseen. Picture Mary and Martha. Jesus has them roll away the stone. They watch their brother who had been dead and all the tears that they had cried, all the mourning that they had done and all the people who had gathered and they saw something that was miraculous. And I think that if they were going to sing a song, this would probably be the song that they'd sing. Man, I've seen the glory that cannot be unseen. I can never act like Jesus is less than that. I can never pretend as if I haven't seen him do a miracle. I can never say that he doesn't love me and my family so much that he would raise the dead for us. And you know what they probably began to do? They probably began to think, man, we have to take what we now know and remember what he said in the house. What did he say again when we were there together? He said something about, you know, she chose the good thing and, and, and don't worry about the cleaning and uh, the, the dead you have with you always but me for a little while. What was he saying? What does it mean? I want to receive it. I want to digest it. Oh, maybe this means that it's, it's great to, to feed the poor, but not if I don't pray in my own time. I can go on sidewalk sanctuary, but if I won't have my bedroom sanctuary, then it doesn't matter. That's what it means. That's what it means. All that, that relationship and friendship that's been dead for years, and it's just a thing of the past. Maybe, maybe it means that I can, I can restore that relationship. What, what do I need to do, God? Repent? 
apologize, take the burden upon myself. Why would I do that? They were wrong. Oh, but then I saw you on the cross and, and you took my sin when I was wrong and you were right. And you didn't even open your mouth like a lamb before its shearer is silent. You just took it for me. I could do that for this friendship. Amen. What else did he say? What else did he say? If you'd, if you'd have faith, if you'd believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Oh, that means I got to digest it. It's got to get in here. I got to keep reading it over and over and over again. Keep praying it over and over and over again until it becomes real to me. What did he say? Where are those scriptures at? What do I got to do? Man, I want breakthrough. I want breakthrough, Lord. I want restoration. I want reconciliation. I want hope. I want life. Let me wait upon you. Let me meditate upon it day and night. Let me make it real in my life, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Just bow your heads for a second. Close your eyes for a second. I want it just to be between you and the Lord. When we started this morning, I said, I'm talking to Christians. But if you're not one, I'd give you an opportunity to become one a little bit later. Now is that time. Now is that moment. It really is a simple decision. Those that came to faith in Christ, it happened the same way that hopefully it can happen for you today. People who already knew him and who he was and watched him and listened to his words. They watched him ascend into heaven. The Holy Spirit was sent and dwelt in them. And then they went out into the whole world. And they told everybody, if you would just repent of your sins, recognize that you're a sinner, recognize that there's no hope for you other than Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, ask him to save you, he will save you. And the same way that we've received his spirit, you will receive his spirit. It may happen in this moment, it may happen six months from now, but you will receive the spirit because it's a promise from God. You'll know that you're saved. You will break out of the earthly realm into the heavenly realm. You will begin to see things you never saw before, feel things you've never felt before. You will have a sense of joy that cannot be taken from you because of your earthly situations and circumstances. But you've got to make a decision for yourself. Nobody can make it for you. One man or one woman's reality does not automatically make it your reality. You've got to receive him for yourself, and you can. Everything that it took for you to be in this room, in this place right now, has been ordained by God, planned by God, prepared by God. And now he says, all you've got to do is break through. It's ready for you. Break through and leave the old behind and enter into the new. If that's you, the heads are bowed, the eyes are closed. You want to be saved. You know you're not you know you didn't come into this place in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, but you want to leave out of this place with a Savior. Just raise your hand right where you sit. If that's you this morning, not saved but want to be, hallelujah. Anybody this morning, before we move on, thank you, Jesus. He's a good God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody. Thank you, God. Breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. For the Christians who are here, if you want breakthrough, if you want maturity and growth, a real walk with God, you're already saved. You've come out of the world and received Jesus. But you know this morning, 
that you got to get off the milk. You got to stop crawling. You got to start walking and, and maybe even begin to run. I want to pray with you, but I'm going to ask you to come forward. The beginning of your walking away from the old and into the new is coming to this altar this morning. Taking a step, beginning to walk in a new way. As you come, remember that you're going to break through into some areas, which means you're going to have to leave some things behind you. Don't come if you don't want to move forward. Don't come if you want to identify, like I said, with the people that I met at the coffee shop earlier this week who don't want to leave the old behind, who don't want to set a new standard, who don't want the Bible and the Spirit of God to be that which leads and guides their life. If, if you do, though, please come that I can pray with you. Speak a word that I believe God has given to share with you this morning for your breakthrough. Breakthrough with God. Breakthrough in your faith. Come out of the foyer and into the sanctuary of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, guys. Why don't the three of you come this way? David, Liz, Melanie, come over here. I want to talk to this group. I want you guys to receive this word. It's for you. It's for you. <clears throat> it's not for everybody. Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. said, The Lord said to Joshua that this day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is Gilgal to this day. The children of Israel camped there. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. They ate of the produce of the land on that day of the Passover, or the day after the Passover. Unleavened bread, parched grain on that very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they'd eaten the produce of the land. The children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes, he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversary? And he said, no, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth, worshiped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? So this story, they were men and women that had new faith. They'd been delivered from Egypt and God loved them so much that he, he rained down food for them. Right? Manna from heaven and milk that they could drink. They were just babes and they needed to be cared for that way. But it says that at some point they crossed over. They had this breakthrough. They had this moment in time where they crossed over and instead of eating the manna that was falling from heaven, they ate the produce of the ground. What that means is this. There comes a time in your walk with God where you can't just drink milk. You can't just take what's given to you. And it's not going to be so easy to grow in God. You're going to have to till the ground. You're going to have to pull the weeds. You're going to have to plant the seed. You're going to have to water the seed. But it says from that day forward, they ate of the produce of the ground. There are people who will continue to drink milk and continue to take the food that's been given to them. But God has something better for you guys. Yes, there's work involved. Yes, there's labor involved. It's not about earning the blessings of God. It's just how he is and who he is. He says, you got to grow. 
I pray that today will be that day. For many of you, I see people who have been faithful for a long time, people who have recently come into salvation, people who are days after salvation. I'm telling you, I told you earlier what happened to me in the area of giving, literally days after I got saved, and there was this acceleration by reading the Word of God, by trying to honor God. Within three years, I was a pastor of a church. I wonder where you'll be if you start tilling the ground and eating of the produce of the labor of your own hands. I wonder who else will be able to eat because of you guys. You can have breakthrough. Don't feel sorry. Make up in your mind like that woman I told you. She said, I will not let my emotions get involved or get in the way of what the Lord has called my husband to. My family will not suffer. Even if people tell us we are suffering, we are blessed by God. You need to make some declarations over your own life about who you are, who God is, what he has for you, how he's going to restore, how he's going to build, how he's going to meet every need, how you know who he is as your rock. You know where to hold on. You know how to hold on. You are not on seeking sand. You have a Savior that is more powerful than the laws of nature, than the laws of science. He can reverse and change anything that's taken place before this day. You are going to break through some things and you are going to be in a new realm, in a new place, but you can never go back. Take the good, take the wisdom, take what you learned and apply it to the new area that you live in with God. Do not wait for others to show you the way. Do not wait for others to walk alongside with you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God that he can accelerate you, that he can break through for you. Hold on when it gets tough. Press in. Try new things. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And then you got to read and digest. No matter what else goes on in your life, get the Word of God. Receive the Word of God. Digest the Word of God. You got to do it. There's no other way. There's no substitute for it. You got to do it. Lord, bless these. Minister to them. Cover them with the hedge of protection. We know that the enemy is here on this earth, in this realm, Lord, walking around, seeking whom he may devour, Lord. I pray that you would place a hedge of protection around them. Unlike Job, where you removed it, that he would be able to be attacked to show, Lord, who you are and who you were in Job's life. I pray that that hedge of protection would stay over them, that they'd be in that place, Lord, where you can just minister to them and change them and help them and grow them. Use them, Lord, to minister to others, Lord God. Let them eat of the produce of the land. Let them labor for it. Let them water it, Father God. Let them tend to the soil. Let them pull up the weeds and remove those things that are unhealthy, Lord God. Oh, have your way over them, Lord. Let them be a witness and a testimony to what you can do, God. Show us, Lord. We've seen what cannot be unseen in your holy name, Jesus. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings 
at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.